What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland and not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out. And I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys. And they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well. And they're always rotating in new seasonal cocktails. So come through and check out what they've got on deck for fall and winter down there. The patio is now nice, covered, and heated and will be throughout the fall and winter. So come through and big thanks to Produce Row for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another volume of I Dig Records, a Dan Cable Presents podcast coming at you. Once again, if you are new to the programming here, you can find fresh episodes of the regular Dan Cable Presents podcast every Friday, which is usually myself in conversation with an artist covering all genres of music. And every other Tuesday, volumes of I Dig Records, which is co-hosted by my cousin Bobby, and we do the deep dive on a record, listening to tunes breaking it down occasionally there's a guest co-host when rob is not around but uh this time around we've got volume 33 in store for you and we're talking about dmx's 1998 release 
It's Dark and Hell is Hot, and we also talk about the recent HBO DMX documentary, Don't Try to Understand, which is kind of what prompted this discussion about this record, as well as the recent passing of DMX. So we're going to get into it momentarily if you want to help support this thing in a free way you can do so by clicking subscribe on itunes clicking write a review giving the podcast five stars all of that is super helpful it only takes a couple minutes to leave those reviews and i can't stress the importance of uh getting those done super helpful to the growth and sustainability of this thing and helping strangers find the podcast getting into this uh the tops of those iTunes charts and whatnot. And if you're not listening on Apple, you can uh, just hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. The podcast is available on Spotify now. And I've also been dropping some monthly playlists there every first of the month as well. So you can check those out. The Spotify profile will be in the episode notes along with the links for my cousin and his band's High Pulp and Sun King, as well as the links for all of the sponsors. If you are local to the Portland, Oregon area, I am DJing on January 30th over at Produce Row Cafe from noon to 2. I will be doing the brunch set, and you can catch DJs there every Sunday, noon to 2. A lot of them spinning vinyl. I'll just be out there with my my DJ controller, but uh, often we've got people bringing records out there and also every thursday nights there's tunes over at produce row as well 6 p.m to 8 p.m so check out their calendar in the episode notes as well and with that hope everybody is doing well out there and we're going to get into volume 33 of i dig records i just want everybody to know that i dig records I dig records, bro. I dig records. Back at it. I dig records. Back at it, man. Volume 33. First episode of the new year. First first official episode of the new year. 31st of all time? Uh, 30, 33rd. For us? Yeah, volume 33. 33rd? Wow. Yes. Wow. We've come a long way. It's the Jesus yeah. year It's the for the podcast. You know? This is the Jesus episode. Which is pretty fitting for the amount of uh, times that DMX frames the world through uh, the Bible in that sort of vocabulary. Sorry, man. What? <laughs> I was zoning out. You st- <laughs> now you're talking about the Bible. I was just saying. Say right. it again. Now I'm focused. Now you- now I got the video on the screen. Sick. I'm done reading. I can't even see you. <laughs> I can't see your face. I know. It's backlit like <laughs> it's really poorly, but uh it's a good vibe (laughs) volume 33 of the podcast that's the that's the g that's the jesus year oh that jesus died when he was 33 yeah yeah and i was just saying perhaps that's fitting for the amount of times that uh that dmx you know he seems to frame the world through this lens of the Bible, yeah, like his vocabulary leans heavily towards Christianity and the Bible, and not just in his music. No, like no, there's no. the prayer like skit even, that we'll get into. Yeah, but it's not even that. It's like he goes, he goes harder, just like 
in his day-to-day life than he does on the records even i had no idea yeah. it was like that much of a thing we're here to talk about dmx here to talk about uh you know not only this this new documentary that recently hit hbo which is a part of that i think it's music box or music something Music Box. when did it drop uh maybe a couple months ago Weird. or so it hasn't been out that long it was crazy it was very very recent footage yeah, and it's a part of that series that uh, puts put on that that Woodstock '99 documentary, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about DMX's Woodstock performance as well. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about this documentary. Talk about this. Uh, it's dark and, and hell is hot, hot yeah. record from 1998 from DMX. But uh, first, to get going, like, what is your familiarity familiarity i can't even speak Famili- what is familiarity. your familiarity with uh <laughs> with dmx and have you had you spent much time listening to records front to back prior to his passing and listening to and watching this documentary yeah um yeah dmx was like huge 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 uh when I was younger and was, I was a big fan at that time. I didn't really listen to records in full, you know what I mean? Like in general. So like, you know, it's been fun listening to it's dark and hell is hot again. Cause I had listened to that, but you know, yeah. Like in listening to it, I'm just like, Oh, there's a lot of songs on here that I didn't know, you know, especially back in the day. Um, Cause that was, you know, that was more when, you know, I was like, I was like six when this record came out, you know, and it was like 10 or 11 when I probably started listening to DMX. Um, so, so yeah, you know, he had a big influence on, on like me for sure. I always used to listen to DMX before like games, like sports games, you know, he's on my playlist and, uh, I remember like when uh, the movie with, with Jet Li came out. Um, what was that? Cradle to the Grave, man. And uh, I remember. I forgot about that. Uh, there was this game called Street Hoops uh, for Xbox yep. and PS2, yeah. and Who We Be was on the uh, the soundtrack. And yeah, just like all that, like DMX was definitely like one of my favorite favorite MCs and thus musicians because when I was that age I was just like in love with hip hop and listening to so much just different shit and DMX for me was always like one of my favorites so then I felt I fell off a little bit though like I just didn't really keep up with what he was doing you know what I mean like from you know 2010 on or whatever and then he died out of nowhere, seemingly, to me at least. I was like, damn, this is crazy. And then this documentary, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's, it was really interesting to, like, reflect on the shit, you know? Like, I put the shit on yesterday at, like, midnight, and I was like, I'll probably fall asleep here and watch the rest tomorrow. And I was just, like, wide awake, just watch the whole thing. I was like, yeah, you're not going to bed. For sure. How about you? Um, So... I feel like I always knew a lot of the songs, but I never really, uh, 
I'd never really listened to a record necessarily front to back or definitely not like definitely not intently. Right. right it was kind of right. more of those one of those things where uh where those record covers were almost a little more significant right. and iconic to me yeah. than knowing what the actual record was blood front to back. Flesh of my flesh. Flesh yeah, my especially flesh, that one. Blood. Yeah, especially Flesh of My Flesh yeah, man. and that white album cover, you know. Yeah. And uh and this one as well. It's dark it and hell is hot. And uh there's seven singles on this record, so it's it's hard not to know a few songs wow. off of it. Yeah. And uh <laughs> four four times platinum this record yeah, man. went. And this came out in ninety eight, so I was in eighth grade at the time. And I just remember Rough Riders Anthem being yeah. so big. Yeah. And especially for that time for me, because I feel like junior high and going into high school is really when you start to hear people playing their own music, maybe even at school. Yeah. You know, people are fucking around with Walkmans right. or or Discmans right. at that point. Right. And uh and you're really starting to to hear what people are listening to. So that song was fucking just huge and you know it was played at every school dance and anytime there was there was some sort sort of hype shit going on right and, and you're absolutely right about it as far as you know for the some game shit to get you hyped up before the game <laughs> yeah man. you know nothing better than you than know some rough riders ass. anthem yeah, to to yeah. get you absolutely fucking jacked before Litty. going out there so yeah. and that that's kind of just the energy and the spirit of this entire record as far as uh his delivery on it it's yeah. very there's very few tracks where it's where it's laid back right, you know? right. It's, it's usually very much in your face it's intense and but fuck man i um you know i i've always known and i don't know i've always i've always felt like dmx was an important voice within rap you know, he's one of the most unique voices of probably all time. It's just a dude's voice that you can recognize even when he's just yeah. talking. If you heard him talking on the street from two blocks over. You'd be like, oh, that's DMX. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, you know, understanding his importance, I, w- I wish I would have, uh, I don't know. I wish I would have had the opportunity to see a live show, that's for sure, especially more in its heyday, mm-hmm. not necessarily on the tour that is uh, focused around on the uh the documentary that we'll yeah we'll dive into but yeah it wasn't until he passed that i went back and listened to these records and just realized what a fucking killer of an mc he was you know? yeah he and just he's crazy it, like in the documentary these swiss beats is getting interviewed and he's just like when dmx is in the zone like watch out like he's just you know he's unstoppable and right yeah like just like the way that he creates shape and i feel like when 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 music connects with people it's like because all these things are happening and there's infinite ways for them to happen but one of them is that the music is engaging on a, a level where there's there's like a story being told not just lyrically but like with the music and the shape of the dynamics and and the flows changing up in a hip-hop sense and all that and like the way that he just like he's just like so effortless the way that he just like catches different pockets, you know? Um, and yeah, man, I mean this record, like 
this comes out the gate and it's just like an insane like it's it's dark and hell is hot is like rough riders anthem is the second song on the record you know like maybe one of not just hip-hop and i think we i think we talked about this in an earlier episode of this when maybe around the time that he passed but yeah just overall this is one of the most iconic choruses of all time yeah 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 totally i don't know how many people don't know some of the lyrics to this hook at this point and this is this is the track produced by swiss beats and i i think you just like I don't know this is the song where you can really understand what a force and like what a special voice he was and like his ability to move a crowd most notably with that 99 woodstock set yeah. you know where you can just see the insanity and in his ability it's it's crazy the attention that he commands mm-hmm. you know just like through his delivery in the in the music and it's crazy too that you go to the uh to the documentary and you see him he's just like shooting pool at like a dive bar you know what i mean like right and there's like also a lot of clips like there's like he's he's just doing so much like this doc like starts and he's like getting out of jail and then he goes and like is signing a deal to do like what is it says a christmas album it was part that was part of it maybe that was i don't know if that was the entire deal that's crazy but yeah just straight to it. <laughs> yeah. So he's and and he's just like sort of checked out. You know what I mean? He's like, I don't fucking care. Like, just can we just sign it? And his his manager is like, No, we're gonna. His lawyer is like, We're gonna look at this. You know? Yeah. There's like six people in the room. One being his lawyer, yeah. a manager, and probably a few other you know heads that that run his shit. And then his wife and, and his three year old. The person. Yeah, it's so funny. His three year old. Uh, X is just fucking, you know, being a three-year-old. Mm-hmm. There, this this important call about this record yeah. deal is on speakerphone, and the kid is just like causing a fuss, and and DMX is just like messing with the mm-hmm. kid, and they're like, "Do you understand?" Right, right. And he's like, he's "Like, yeah, eh. no, I can't, I can't lie. No, I wasn't listening. No, not really. <laughs> yeah, not really, not really." So yeah, it was uh, it was interesting to see that, and you know, it, yeah, it kicks off in 2019 which is also crazy that they started filming this pretty much like a year before he died or Mm -hmm. so and you kind of just see the last year of his life and and what he was trying to make out of it after doing this this 12 month stint in prison for tax evasion and it seemed like he had he dipped in and out of jail a couple times He'd been arrested arrested 30 times in his life. 30. Yeah. So, you know, it's like this documentary, like, they, they could go into it more. Um, but 
they go into it a little bit where it's like the thing the thing that's crazy about the thing that struck me the most about this documentary was like what dmx was like as a person like when he wasn't being dmx type thing and it's not it's not even to say that he like could turn it on and off as much like i think that dmx is like you know he he was like a different he was more dynamic person than i think people give him credit for because he's like a soft soft dude you know what i mean like he's 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 a sweetheart you know what i mean he's like trying to take care of people and and he's got a big heart you know what i mean um his life was insane and you know foster care and his like abusive mother like uh fucking i don't remember what he said about his pops i don't yeah i don't know yeah but just like the fear-mongering that his mom would instill upon him like it and just putting additional shit on him just like beating him and then saying like hey don't tell anybody or the you know, the white, white people, people are going to take, take you away. away yeah 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 totally and you don't want that so like i don't know just creating fear that way in him and he, yeah i mean he was living in uh at age 14 he was living in uh salvation army clothing bins <laughs> you know what i mean like he was homeless you know uh in yonkers like you know in the 90s it's, it's a real oh shit in the 80s you know um befriending stray dogs you know so it's like he he's like from an abusive place like you, you hear him talk about that sometimes in his music too you know and there's some shit on this record on it's dark and hell is hot and i'm like wow some of this shit wouldn't fly in 2022 man like this is crazy it's there's some fucking dark there's dude. some dark shit yeah and like there's some some shit that's definitely you know uh yeah like i said wouldn't wouldn't fly type shit and uh it's it's not justifying it but i think it does like explain some of some of like his shit was to to be able to see like this person's been through a lot of pain you know what i mean and you can see it sort of too like the way that he's like a good father you know and then there's like a couple scenes where he just like flips out on his kid you know what i mean yeah and flips that not not like a you know some a child that can really even comprehend yeah yeah yeah, yeah at this yeah. point what's happening yeah. we're talking about like, is just a, like a not three he's year just old like kid. not understanding like what the fuck is going on you know what i mean like and he's flipping like that's out not on how him. this works it's, yeah and it's it's interesting man like and you're you're right you know the the pain is very visible and the damage done by all of it is very visible and i think that what you learn through that documentary is that anger and that intensity that is in the music comes from an extremely real place you know that's just not him being being hyped up hard he's not trying yeah he's not fronting on like that's like this is like a like this is like his church you know what i mean like for sure and then you also throw in we both seem to have like the same reaction to this documentary you texted me like super late last night i watched it yesterday afternoon 
And I think you like usually I go into something like that expecting to be really inspired and really getting a look into somebody's process and whatnot. And not that that did not come of this because there was there's certainly moments of that. But I did not expect this documentary to be so fucking sad. Yeah, dude. And and just very heavy. And I didn't know. I guess it you know it's me being kind of ignorant and not really knowing much about DMX's history either of like substance abuses but I didn't know I was going to have to watch this dude be fucked up the entire yeah. time either no, and from out of the gates like even when he's fucking straight out of prison in the car he seems like he is you know pretty jacked on something already and pretty wide eyed and just but also he's, he's coming out of prison so there's there's a lot there too he goes to the bar think, real quick you know. Yeah, and and you just uh, you can see the mood swings, you know, in in moments where you're talking about with uh, kid. with the kid and whatnot, and and then you see these these big fucking wholesome moments where he is out on the block speaking to you know kid <clears throat> these kids on the streets arms. where he used to grow yeah. up. Yeah, there's a kid yeah. crying in his arms. He's uh he's freestyling with a. With a kid on the block and, right. and just connecting with him and telling him, hey, I was right here right. 20 years ago. Right. You know, this was me, same age. And so, you know, seeing those moments and, and that he, like, still really connects to his community. He obviously has his his big house, you know, tucked away somewhere. But it seemed like the places that he liked to engage and, and be there. in is that dive bar where he's shooting pool right. And, you know, just very much comfortable in the environment that he grew up in and, and trying to and stay connected with that. But, yeah, you could all just really see this dude was in so much fucking pain yeah. in in everything that uh, the way he interacted with people and strangers, like you could tell that trust issues were... Mm -hmm were there and present and, and that he was like really not interested in doing anything anybody else's way, but his, you know, and, and, and he had a tough time putting it on for people that he didn't really like care to do so mm -hmm. with, you know, there's that moment where, uh, where he's, he's just like kind of being shitty and the dude comes up to him and like, Hey man, that's like the head of live nation. Like there's no reason, like just be cool. Well, he was you like, know? like the you don't dude need... asked for a picture and he was like, I'm trying to get in the zone, which I feel him. Like it's like yeah, before a yeah, show, absolutely. like that was the thing also that like this, this documentary like showed me is like just being famous on that level is like insane. It's like, I can't even comprehend how exhausting it is that you just can't be anywhere and not have people come up to you and ask for pictures, you know? And like, you're trying to do the one thing that you can do to get free and play your music and perform and be there. Yeah. And people are coming up to you and saying, Hey, like, you know, fucking, can I get your picture? And you're like, I'm trying to focus cause I'm trying to get in the zone. Yeah. This is the only thing I care about. And then I liked, I actually, I was like, when he, he responded cause the, his manager came up or whoever it was and said, Hey, that's the manager of live nation. Couldn't you have just taken yeah. a picture with him? And he's like, I'm getting paid. He's getting paid. We're cool. Right? Like everybody's happy. Right? Like that's what this is about. Yeah. yeah. And I appreciate right. that realness from him because look, that is what this is about. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that the, the, the person at live nation, I don't think like 
cares about dmx <laughs> you know what i mean like he probably didn't like shed a tear you know what i mean like he probably right, doesn't know right. many dmx songs it's a sold out show yeah and he's getting he just pulled everybody's he just pulled up paid. because he's the fucking head honcho at at live nation and he and maybe i'm putting that on him <laughs> but maybe but i i'd you know i'd be surprised it's very possible you know right and it's like you just get somebody pulling up and just asking to get your picture so they can just put it next to all the other celebrities they've had pictures with yeah. and you're trying to do the thing you actually care about you just get surrounded by the bullshit so quickly you know when you're that famous it's crazy it's like the amy winehouse documentary showed the same is you know Ooh. just like unfathomable Incredible. you know what i mean like so yeah it's just you I, know i uh i didn't catch i actually didn't catch that he had asked for that photo like before mm -hmm. the set so that's you know puts it in mm -hmm to more context and like i i appreciate his his realness mm -hmm. with it as well and yeah man i think that like you're saying that level of fame is just absolutely insane but it's got to be even more insane if you really don't want to put it on because yeah. there's plenty of people that oh, yeah. enjoy yeah, that yeah, yeah. you know and that and that side of the thing and he even says uh with you know, around those same moments of having that Live Nation interaction, he talks about how he fucking hates everything revolving around the performance yeah, he said one except hour. for the he being said one, on stage. How's it being like, on tour? He's like, one hour a day is great. Yeah. And, and I get that, you know? Yeah, man. No, I mean, 100%, especially, like, when you're an addict like him. You know what I mean? Like, that's some dark shit. And, like, tour, God, that's like even at the small level that i've done it at it's just like everything's there it's enabled you know what i mean right once you get to fucking dmx level it's like i mean literally anything you want whenever you want however you want you just say mm -hmm. it you know what i mean and you get whatever substance you need and you're in some city you don't want to be in and you miss your family and you miss your friend all of it so you're just like all right yeah let's go so it's uh I can only imagine, you know, and I feel like that's the thing that, uh, you know, he, you said, and it's true, it's dark and hell is hot. Doesn't have a bunch of like more introspective songs, but look through my eyes is like about as close as it gets in my opinion. And, uh, that was one of my favorite songs when I listened to this, I was just like, man, this is, he's, it's, it's just like, it's not like a, a sad like a sob story you know what i mean like dmx is just a fighter you know and that's why you see that interview with the uh the guy in the documentary the the guy's doing uh parking or something and he pulls up and he says dmx playing here tonight and they ask the camera you know what i'm talking about and, yeah and and, and uh they're like yeah we're with him you know and they're like some people have been saying that he, he he's fallen off or you know what i mean that he's gone soft or anything you know and he was like that guy dmx got me through 20 years in prison you know and it's like that like dmx was my was the music i would listen to like when i would like be working out like dmx is like the guy that got me through that and he was like in his 40s so he'd been in jail like his whole 20s his whole 30s you know what i mean just like fucked up real shit you know like and this guy's just like dmx basically you know saved my life you know what i mean dmx gave me a reason to like push through 20 years you know 
for sure. And I feel like that's like a thing that's like maybe often overlooked with DMX that like he's he's like a source of inspiration for a lot of people and um, like the way that his music hit people for some people not for everybody but for some people it was like not just like some some raucous like party shit but it was some like fighter you know what I mean and that's yeah. the thing that I was connected to with it you know it was just like I, I never like wanted to listen to the party music you know what I mean like I, I wanted to like again, like I was saying, it was like sports. You know what I mean? It was like this is I'm ready to fight. You know? Right, right. You're ready to go into. You're you're trying to you know, get set for battle. Yeah, yeah. You don't want the the party drug. No, exactly. And like that's that's what Rough Riders Rough Riders anthem to me is like a fighter song more than it's a party song and it's I'm not hate like it's all good that a lot of people were partying to it too you know what I mean but it's like yeah. you can interpret that song both ways and if you interpret it like a fighter song you're probably gonna like the rest of this record you know what I mean because the whole thing is just like it's like back against the wall. The whole record is yeah. back against the fucking wall, you know? And his flow is so fucking good. And it's, uh, he just goes in like on every track and his voice brings so much life to the beats. Like fucking with D. Fucking with D is crazy. Yeah, immediately following up Rough Riders. The first like six songs on this record, they're crazy. Like, I think if you played me this fucking with D beat, this instrumental, yeah. it would be way too much for me, and I wouldn't really dig it that much. But then he puts his voice on it, and the way he accents all of these drum hits just, like, takes it to this next level, and just his, I don't know, his mindset to, to find his place within that is uh is very cool it's funny because for the first time i'm hearing like like the the connection though like i'm i'm sure that like limp biscuit listened to fucking with d you know what i mean like like i hear the connection you know what i mean and uh dmx just does it in this way that's like so much different you know but i can see the obvious connection and it makes sense tapping into the woodstock 99 documentary you know it makes sense that like all these like white kids college kids that loved like limp biscuit were also like dmx is fucking sick you know well this is also fucking pop music no doubt you know? this is number one not just on the the hip-hop and r&b charts this is number one across the fucking board on Billboard, and the dude. flow's like pretty pretty dope on this song you know what i mean like 
like yeah this this song is like it's yeah it's like when this when this song gets going man I love how he starts talking, how he changes the inflection of his voice, you know? He's like going aggressive and then he peels it back and, and he's just using his whole voice as an yeah, instrument. Yeah, dude. That's, that's kind of, I feel like maybe that's similar reference to what you talk about with Vince. Yeah. And his ability to just can't change cadence. And the song isn't changing at all, mm-hmm. but the voice it changes and it shifts everything. Yeah. Exactly. Get at me, dog. Might be my favorite song on this record. This beat is so good. That little guitar, just that like sort of Nile Rodgers, little James Brown guitar. And that's so fucking this era too. I know, right? But it doesn't feel cheesy. No, it doesn't feel. Even though it represents that era to me, it doesn't. This is not necessarily a time capsule to me. Like this doesn't. It feels like it exists outside of that. A lot of people tried to do this and fucked it up. For like DMX didn't fuck this up. You know what I mean? Like this is this is what a lot of people were so inspired by this that they they wouldn't try this. You know? Here's a, uh, a paragraph from his Wikipedia. Simmons, which is his last name, went through a disjointed childhood that included being beaten by his mother and various boyfriends so badly that he lost teeth, sustained numerous bruises, cuts on his face. Due to poverty, he slept on the floor with roaches and mice crawling over him at night. When Simmons was five years old, his uh, family settled into the school street projects in Yonkers. When he was six, his mother knocked out two of his teeth with a broom after he innocently erased something from her notebook. At school, he threw chairs and teachers er, chairs at teachers and stabbed another child in the face with a pencil. When he was seven, his aunt got him drunk on vodka. That same year, when he was seven, he was jailed for stealing cakes from a market. One summer, his mother locked him in a bedroom, allowing him only to go to the bathroom. Uh, Fifth grade, expelled from school, uh, sent to a children's home, fucking, like, arson attempt, you know, like, like, this is all before he's 10, you know? So it's like, he's lived a crazy, crazy life and has definite, like, trauma and some real ass pain and like no way to 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 like like no resources to like deal with the shit you know what i mean his uh his demons are real yeah. and like you can see that, that like illustrates that shit yeah and at times you see that his moral compass seems to be pretty solid yeah and then, like you're saying he's you know full of 
uh, love for people and, and trying to take care of people the best he can. And then you have the moments where he's a little more where the, the mood swings kick in and, and he's a little more angry and, and lacks patience at times. Yeah. So the, the juxtaposition of those two things is, is pretty interesting. And I like, I think it's also, you know, you're just learning that this dude is a human and he has fucking real problems. So just cause he's some celebrity doesn't clear him of, of any of that. Right. And it's, it's just like one of those things of, you know, yeah, take inspiration from these people that have created things that resonate with you and that you connect heavy with and maybe inspire you to create art of your own or, or whatever or just, like, inform your process in some way. But, man, worshiping these people as, like, idols because they're, like, like that, that can be where the mistake happens, you know? It's just, like, they're real people, real flaws and shit. So sometimes they're, like all of that shit is connected to super dark trauma and whatnot. And this is the like case with like a lot of that stuff, you know, and it's, it's, it's heavy, but it's, uh, the music is so fucking good and inspired that there's that side of it too. You can just clearly see that he's in a lot of pain and he's, you know, he's, he's trying to keep it together for this, this 20th anniversary tour for this record that we're talking about she's getting around on and mm-hmm. it says on uh i don't know if it was his wikipedia or somewhere else but they he he said he was bipolar as well so it's like you got all this shit it's all compounding you know the the documentary is pretty wild because pretty rec- like pretty soon after he relapses He's back at the bar drinking and it's not like, you know, he, I, I forget what he relapsed on. Um, but you know, it was some hard drug and, but point being like, he really quickly got back to the bar, you know? And it's yeah. like, damn, that's yeah. I mean, Jesus. Well, I don't know. I don't know who says it in the documentary, but somebody says he's not, it might be his manager who says he's not a criminal he's an addict yes yeah you can you can very much see that and uh you know there's that that part where he's supposed to be recording interviews for this documentary and he is nowhere to be found and then he's supposed to be you know at a show and he's he's just sleeping one off because he's been up for four straight days yeah and uh you can see where he starts to unravel in those types of situations and whatnot and where he becomes like a little more unpredictable and you they explore that whole relationship with his eldest son yeah that was crazy xavier he's 29 he was born in 92 so they they explore that relationship you know and just you know, just how strained that's been and, and just how that dude has been kind of dealing with it. Yeah, I mean, that that dude got a fucked up, fucked up life in a lot of ways. You know, like, just be, like, and it's not even necessarily DMX's fault. Like, some of it definitely you could maybe say is DMX's fault, you know? But what he's talking about in some of the interviews, too, is just, like, being DMX, DMX's son regardless of if gmx is a good dad or not 
like is crazy because people just know you as DMX's son. You know, they don't know you as your own person. Luckily, it seems seems like they had an opportunity to re- repair the relationship to some degree, and it wasn't completely silent as it was mm-hmm. for many years. It seemed before he actually passed mm-hmm. that they were able to, you know, to talk it out a bit and whatnot. But all of this is in the music. Yeah. When you when you talked about like some of the stuff that would maybe not fly now, when you get into uh, a song like X is coming, yeah. Like that's a pretty clear representation of those demons that he struggles with through the dock and and what people speak about when they're when they're talking about what he's been through and whatnot and just his his mentality. But also in the dock, he talks about on this record specifically that he was doing a lot, like smoking a lot of crack, and he would go, he would smoke, and then he would go in the booth. He would record a track. And then he'd go back out, and he'd blow some more. Yeah. And he he was talking about how you know it was, it was he he always references it as being the devil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, yeah, 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 involved, yeah. And get, yeah, and then he, he starts like, to get I the go lines in, get blurred. involved with the devil, and then and then he goes in the booth and finds and Jesus. He he remedies. Well, it. when you listen to it though, from from that perspective, uh-huh. like that. There's obviously a lot of honesty in the the lyrics, and maybe like the boundaries are completely torn down because of his his state yeah, in that yeah, yeah, yeah. as well. But also, he's just also on fucking crack, so it's fucking up. To, yeah, man. To like the highest level of intensity with a lot of things. You got yourself in a predicament that you can't get out of. You already in some shit, but it's about to get hotter. Fucking with a nigga like you, running your mouth. Well, had I seen nigga like you, gun in your mouth, but won't be like the last time when you run in the house, cause I ain't knocking on the door. This says he became addicted to crack when he was 14. After, I mean, not surprising, right? Like for the what this dude he got dealt with. Yeah, as he a, smoked a kid. some weed that was lined with crack, you know, and uh, he became addicted to crack, and he's 14. It also says that he would he by by the end of high school, he uh, was only showing up to rob people, <laughs> like he just he like was making so much money just robbing people, yeah. So his freshman year, he was just showing up to rob people. I mean, just like a genuine, genuinely unique person, you know, like um, like a truly tragic figure, you know. I don't know, you know, it makes sense when you listen back to some of this shit. And you're like, yeah, this this person's troubled, you know? It's like, in a completely different way. The same way when you listen to, like, some, like, Mac. And you're like, yeah, this person's troubled. And then, sadly, they pass. And you're like, that makes sense. You know what I mean? It's like, like, I'm not, I mean, it doesn't yeah. make sense. Of course, it doesn't make fucking sense. But it's like... There wasn't no sign, you know what I mean? Right. I mean it's it's uh it's all it's all kind of like right in front of you. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing with a lot of that that Elliot Smith yep. shit. Yeah. On a totally. different level, you know, where you go through those lyrics and you're like, whoa, this dude was really in pain. Yeah, and like there are people screaming for not help. High, <laughs> you know? Yeah, he was he was screaming for help through this and um yeah, that is that is there 
but it has that that dog's mentality yeah with with the dmx shit and the the let me fly track i think is a cool change of pace on the album and that that's where he, where he lays back a little bit that's that's one of my favorites on the on the record. It's a real cool beat too. It's like very uh, feels like really niche in like that late '90s, early 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 2000s. Like this, that little synth feels to me so quintessential to that era. And the hook, the hook is killing, man. His voice, yeah. it's it's whether he's rapping or he's singing. I love the singing. It's amazing. Which, the end of the documentary, when he sings that song, it's, uh, he's got a voice. Hey everybody, just wanted to take a quick minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub. Located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland, they've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall with over 200 bottles. Muscles and Fritz are on the menu. Their cheeseburger is lights out, and they've always got some killer weekly specials as well. Aside from the menu items and beverages, they've got this awesome covered patio that is heated throughout the fall and winter with a bunch of big screens to watch all your favorite sports. And the best part is they have DJs playing tunes there every Tuesday night from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. and Sundays 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. So come through North 45 Pub for some tunes and some food. Let's get back to the episode. It was nice that there seemed to be some relief at the end of the doc, him connecting with his family a bit mm-hmm. and having all of his kids in the the same room from various uh, marriages and and you know encounters and whatnot, and having this these kids that range from three to thirty. Yeah, he's and, got seven, uh, seventeen kids. Just to see that, you know. He was trying, yeah. it seemed like, to be clean for them or, or himself, and he was showing up to meetings and whatnot. But that's that's the fucking just the realities with with the addiction thing, you know? It's like people can try, and, and sometimes it's just uh, it's too deep. It's too uh, it's too much of a, a place of comfort to, to relieve all that pain that they're in, and it's hard to, to fucking get by without it so you you know he passed ultimately because of a drug overdose it seems Mm -hmm. like that's why he went into the the hospital and went into the coma and whatnot so it was obviously something that that he couldn't escape but fuck i mean yeah there's it's gnarly it was like i said it was just way heavier than i fucking anticipated because it's not some it's not necessarily a biopic and not to say that the biopic wouldn't have been like a full you know from 
being born to the end of his life or anything. There's, there's a lot missing from the documentary. This is pretty much just like some documentation of the last year of his life. They happen to be making this documentary and you get to see small pieces, but Mm -hmm. you know, you don't really get the full picture and you're not, you're not getting to hear from, it's not the type type of documentary where there's a bunch of talking heads or a bunch of, other rappers talking about what an inspiration he was to the to the scene or anything like that you know yeah you're just getting a very real look at what his life was like during this final stage and when they're in florida and it's raining and the festival's like semi-canceled or whatever and they're like we don't want to go and then the last minute they're like we need like it's on like you need to be here and yeah i mean i just totally imagine like how much you feel just sort of like a like a prop you know what i mean like mm-hmm. like you are just like a like a a like a product you know what i mean yeah and people paid for the product so the product needs to be there and you're like well i'm a fucking human too you know it's again a thing that's true in the amy winehouse documentary when they literally put her on a plane you know what i mean against her will and she's blacks out at the fucking concert and passes out on stage. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like she doesn't pass out, but she basically, the show doesn't happen to be that level of famous. You see that in this documentary so much, like being this level of Mm -hmm. famous is like truly insane. You know, like nobody should have that, you know, like there's like, sort of fucked for your brain to have to like figure out how to navigate that. Cause there's no, there's no book, you know? And you see the sadness in his eyes. A lot of the times when they're, they're like outside of a restaurant and this dude asks him for a picture and he takes the picture. And then the person taking the picture is this woman. And then, they switch spots and she gets in for a picture and you can just see it in his face how much yep. that this is just draining his yeah. soul or just, just how much he doesn't yeah. want to be a part of that. And for a lot of it, like you're saying, and for a lot of these people, it's not even necessarily somebody they even give a shit no, about no, that no, much. No, no. And no. they certainly probably don't care about him as a person necessarily so if you really give a shit you might not ask for a photo you know what i mean you exactly exactly yeah i feel that i feel that but we should uh we should tap into uh what other records came out in 98 in the in the rap genre at that time so you had uh big puns capital punishment gangstar moment of truth Uh, outcast equimini amazing the fucking Black Star, Most Def and Talib. Was there a Jay Z record? There is Hard Knock, uh, Volume yeah, Two. Cool. Hard Knock Life. So that's on there. Miseducation of Lauren well, Hill. Well, what else? Yeah, you got the Lauren Hill Miseducation, which is that's a killer one. Hello Nasty, Beastie Boys, which is you yeah. know this, yeah. not the same, not the same kind of hip hop experience, but. And then what else? Like what? What about just stuff that's from '98? Because this ran everything. About uh, 400 Degrees by Juvenile came out that year. Um, yeah, weird, weird year. Smashing Pumpkins put out a door. Okay. 
That's a. Uh, that's one of those re- Smashing Pumpkins records that people have pretty mixed feelings about. It went pretty experimental and uh, very electronic at, at moments with that one, but uh, I I dig that one. It's got some of my favorite tunes on it, actually. The Neutral Milk. Yeah, Neutral Milk Hotel. Yeah. Um, Boards of Canada. Interesting, interesting year. Uh, what's also cr- crazy is that. Uh, DMX then put out Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood six months after he released this uh, It's Dark and Hell's Hot record. So he came out of the gates and released a record in 98 in May. And then six months later, December 7, whatever, uh, puts out another record that's also an hour long. That's wild. It's like before the internet was even like huge like i don't know what the fuck like right i don't know what the label's thinking i mean it worked you know but man like six months in between records that are both an hour long is crazy i i will say going back and maybe i'm just a little more familiar with this one but uh going back and going through this is the one i enjoy front to back over flesh of my flesh yeah that's uh what i remembered as well when i listened back to this one because i listened to flesh my flesh pretty recently actually i saw something about like the album artwork uh that this guy that did the album artwork for let me see if i can find it uh for flesh of my flesh uh did a bunch of other bands or artists and bands and shit and i so I, i listened to this after i saw something about that artist Yo, can we talk about I Can Feel It? Yeah, I was going to ask Phil you Collins how you flip. <laughs> I think it's of cool. Course. Of course. Yeah. It's a Phil flip. I know. Yeah. I know. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's it made for you. No. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to say that too. But, um, that's got to be, that's got to be your favorite song. I don't know about favorite song, but it's, it's cool that it's on there. DMX is listening to, uh, to Phil. Somebody was. This how's the how's it going down? Is a is a cool uh, slower jam as well. Yeah, and then my my gem of the the B side, um, the song, the last song. Uh, with locks and mace cool we'll play it out with that one yeah that uh i didn't know that the locks was a thing and i love i was listening to that song and i was like this sounds like styles p and then i heard the next verse and i was like this sounds like jada kiss and then I heard the, the something else, like the hook or something, and I was like, this sounds like another rapper that's not DMX. And then Mace, Mace's verse is awesome. And uh, I was just like, what the fuck? Okay, the locks, like I thought it was one person. Then I go on Wikipedia, I'm like, oh, the locks is Jada, uh, Styles P, and uh, another MC. It's like, okay. That's killing. Now I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to dive into that money power respect. Yep, yep. I have it on my on my shit saved. Cause Jadakiss and Styles P are two of my favorite 
Jada Kiss is incredible. Yeah. And also from Yonkers. I think that I found with the Styles P stuff, I, I'm i excited to listen to that because I think I usually always enjoy him surrounded by other voices. Mm. I appreciate him more in that setting. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fair. And it's kind of like, it's not a shot. No, no, it's no. the same thing as the, you know, the Jurassic 5 dudes. It's like Charlie Tuna's voice is incredible. Nobody has a voice like Charlie Tuna. Mm-hmm. But when when it's solo on a record, I just uh, I don't appreciate it quite as much without the juxtaposition of the other voices. Right, right. Yeah. No, that's 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 totally real. That's totally real. So this artist, uh, Jonathan Mannion, I found found the wiki. Uh, he, check out uh, the list of uh album arts that he did album artwork photos whatever uh reasonable doubt by jay-z in my lifetime volume one it's dark and hell is hot flesh of my flesh blood of my blood uh public enemy he got game jay-z volume two hard knock life uh eve let there be eve that's crazy so he he does he does that dmx record and the hard knock yep. record yep. from the same yep. year uh, he did Ja Rule Records, uh, Memphis Bleak, uh, Keyless. Uh, Sounds like that dude made a lot of money that 50, year. 50, yeah. Nelly, he did Country Grammar. Uh, Luda, back for the first time. Like, yeah, this is crazy. Eminem, he did Marshall, Math- Marshall Mathers LP. Uh, what's, that? what's the name again? Jonathan Mannion. Uh yeah, he did Aaliyah. Like yeah, this uh I was watching some like thing on on album artwork and they interviewed this guy and he was talking about all the shit he did and I was like, damn, this is like I'm I'm only in two thousand one. Like he's doing That's crazy. Like twenty album art twenty album covers a year. Exhibit Nas, Trick Daddy, Eminem, Sum 41. He did Does This Look Infected? It's fucking sick. Yeah, his uh, his Instagram is cool, man. I, I'm checking it out right now. He posts all that stuff. Yeah, this is uh, so, pretty crazy, I'm, man. I'm definitely, definitely following this one. Pretty much any hip-hop record from the last 20 years that had the MC on the front like you have a 50% chance that it was that guy that took the photo. Well shit, man. I mean, I feel like I really appreciated being able to run back through this record, you know, and and the documentary and and just realize and like appreciate the DMX like what a truly enigmatic individual mm-hmm. that was dealt a hell of a hand and you know lived a, a a very tragic and at times beautiful and beautiful and at times tragic life you know like just yeah, crazy man, to like to have an impact on the world the way he did is is very fucking impressive from what he came from you know to to Bro, get out in front yes. of anybody after all that shit yeah. 
you know he's obviously like i said he's a, a flawed dude as is everybody and sometimes his demons showed themselves in some pretty fucked up ways but man to to get up and to be able to have a presence in other people's lives and be inspiring and and still trying to show up for these fucking kids and going to this old like school yeah 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 uh, yeah, yeah. you know this second chance school these boys home um, like yeah i think it was like a boys home or something that he goes to that that he was in for a while and he's just trying to let these kids know that are going through tough times that they're they're in good hands and that you know they could be in a much shittier place and and to just try to you know take advantage of the moments that they're given at this spot and it's just cool that he's still he's he's still trying to provide hope yeah in in people's lives even though he's fucking struggling to this degree that nobody can really understand Mm -hmm. so shout out shout out to you for the uh the idea and the uh the recommendation and rest in peace to dmx man it's pretty crazy rest in peace dmx check out this documentary check out you know check out his records if you haven't in a long time i think that it's still really relevant his style is untouchable. All right, so we're gonna play it on the play it out with the last track on the record, which is the one with Mason Locks, and um, we'll be back at it with another coming at you soon. I don't know what we're talking about next time, but uh, we'll figure it out. We'll convene about it. We could do it right now, or we could do it later. You got three albums on the, on your mind. No problem. No, no problem. Yeah, I always, okay. Go I ahead. Always got the, go ahead. I mean, you got You got to give me like two seconds. Um. Okay. Um. Juju by Wayne Shorter. Dude, Juju. Yeah. Do you know that record? I just bought that record. Oh, for real? Yeah. That's <laughs> Bro, so let's fucking dope. go. Let's, that might just have to be it. Go. I mean, do you want two others? I'll give you two others just for shits. But man. Ear food by Roy Hargrove. My bad. I'm I'm stoned. I I bought Speak No Evil. Oh, uh, that's day. that's pretty good too. Juju's my shit even more. Juju okay. fucked. Well, I'm Ju- I'm pretty intrigued by by Juju that. Juju fucked me up. That's sure. like I know that's like, and I know that you've uh, you've talked about that before. Yeah, too, so. Juju. Um, Ear food by Roy Hargrove, and then the third record. Maybe I'll just go all all jazz on you. Just keep you. Wow keep you in a box we haven't done what we haven't done a jazz record in a while i don't think um now he sings now he sobs by chick korea oh <sighs> that's tough all right i want to go i i gotta go wayne shorter just that's what i was hoping you go with that wasn't the record i bought the other day but i've just been kind of in the mood for the wayne stuff and i've i've kind of been wanting to do a deeper dive on it anyway so i'll go i'll go way shorter we'll do the juju record wonderful that's uh that record to preface the only thing i'll say is that was if i have a like a first like five records that got me into jazz that's without a doubt in there might be in my first three and uh, elvin elvin's playing on the drums on that record 
Same drummer that was on uh, Sonny Chirac, Ask the Ages, but it's going to be less abstract. Um, okay. Because it's from about 30 years before. Uh, cool. So we'll we'll get into that way shorter next time. Is there any uh, is there any required homework for this aside from the record? Is there any interviews that you know of or or live performances that I should be? That's a good. That's Tapping good homework into? for me, or should because I? Because I'm sure okay. that there's some good interviews, and I'll find some and send them to you. Okay, cool. I mean, I can do my own searching as well. There's a good article that Herbie and Wayne wrote from a few years back. Um, that's like a it's like an open letter that they wrote, um, and and that's worth reading for sure. They're, Herbie's not okay. on this record, but they both played together in the Miles Davis second quintet, which is. For me, like my favorite band ever, like it's like the Beatles Damn. and the second quintet. Um, so Herbie and Wayne have played together quite a lot. And this, you know, this record's from earlier in Wayne's career, but cool. it's just this, yeah, it's a special, special record. So melodic, so fun. That'll be coming at you soon. I'm also going to record a uh, an episode with my friend Jen, and we're going to do the Dirty Dancing soundtrack. Ooh. So that'll be the first ever soundtrack nice. that has been done on iDig Records. And I'll put all the links in the episode notes so you can keep up with, uh, with Bobby here and myself and the podcast. Send us an email if there's some records you want us to dive into. DanCablePresents at gmail.com. Shout out to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the cast. Hit the link for uh, 30% off your first year of membership there. Making the uh, the affordable prices even even cheaper at DistroKid. That'll be in the episode notes. And uh, that's it. That's the Jelly Jams. Shout out to DistroKid. Let them distribute your stuff. Yeah. All right, cousin. That's it. Rest in peace, DMF. New York City, the only way to play is gritty. I want cheddar so we can front up in the A-fitty. My whole committee like the puff L's and look jiggy. Who want test this? My simi leave you chestless. And ain't shit that you can say to me when you be breathless. Young but I done did shit that you won't do. Sick ahead with that bullshit you blab about going through. I got niggas who pump on your block and in your spot. Who sit next to you protecting you but they'll murder you, player. Don status, nigga, we getting chips and sis. And bad bitches sis frontin' in the Knots from the out of state spots. Any nigga make it hot, get found the vacant lot. You don't really wanna come try the one guy who stays dumb high from blunt lot. The racket sang, sang alumni who got more beef than the Islamic bomb. So I pack enough sonic arms to neutralize atomic bombs. It's not a nigga in your gang want it. My AK slate gauge, spray strays, niggas' names on it. Often I bug them, but soften the thug. Have a chump coughing blood, fill his coughing with slug. Yo, you know I got enough guns to wreck a nation. Any nigga wave a tech. Mason, have an explanation. You bring your crew in them, I'm doing them. Then I'm beating them down with aluminum. Then I'm putting two in them. You can't touch me, I've been devil sent. Wanted for investment. A lot of other things, but that's irrelevant. If you love the money, then prepare to die for it. Niggas done started something. You can lay in the flames or hug the sky for it. Niggas done started something. If you love the money, then prepare to die for it. Niggas done started something. You can lay in the flames or hug the sky for it. Niggas done started something. Yeah. 
Check out the kid that get coke like Sosa. Never turn down Chocha. Be in the Costa Rica. Sipping margaritas with a mommy. Cleaning my Tommy. Showing love to my army. Whenever the locks find rippy blocks, we kill them. Yeah, I hear niggas, but I still don't feel them. And this is for the listeners and prisoners. And them jealous rap cats that prefer dissing us. My 16s be so real. You can feel them in your vein. Like Romello's pops from Sugar Hill. Jay be the cause for the kiss at your wake. Cartel lips spitting clips at your face. We started from the bottom. You'll see bag niggas.